Welcome back to the Golf Beneath the Surface podcast. I'm Raymond Pryor, performance consultant, your co-host here with my co-host, Chase Cooper, golf instructor extraordinaire. Chase, do we have a menu or a buffet today for our episode? Um, I think just a, I think just a menu. I think um, I think last week was more buffet style with the with the Q and A. We're gonna pick and choose and let let people grab grab hold what they want. Um, you know, one of the things I was on a couple of different different kind of panels at the PGA show, and one of the things that kept popping up was like call it underachievers. What do we do with? And I think it's a it's a fascinating subject. What do we do with players that? Um, let's say show competency on the range and in practice rounds and play to their ability or even, even better than let's say even their ability um, when it doesn't matter, quote unquote per se, but then when the gun goes off, they struggle. And, you know, before you and I met, I would, I would talk about the middle game. Some, you know, we, I've, I've worked with a bunch of really good sports psychologists, uh, none on your level, I don't think, but like, would talk about the middle game some, but like I would pretty much look straight to the golf swing. Like, was there something from a, was their golf swing more um, timing based to where they could get it, get away with it when it didn't matter. But then when the gun went off, they couldn't. Now I'm more of the belief that if they can do it in multiple situations, like not just raking balls on the range, but if their game can, they can travel to different golf courses. It's not just at home. It's not just on the range and they can shoot scores in practice rounds, but then can't do it when the gun goes off. Then I'm, I believe it's more of a mental issue that we need to kind of unravel and kind of get to the bottom of. Um, but I, the, the talk, the I had two talks that, that stick out to me in Orlando and I kept thinking we needed to record them all because I thought the information from, from, both sides of the aisle was, was, was awesome. And so would love to chat with you about it. And, and really I texted you about this a, about a month ago and said, do you ever tell your players or ever suggest to your players that, that it's, a, or do you ever think with your players that it's a mental, it's a mechanical issue when they struggle. And I, I just think this, while this conversation is deep and we can go very, very deep into it, I, I just think it's a fascinating conversation and would like to, would like to kind of chat about that today. Yeah, right on. So we're talking about when people are perhaps not performing up to what they're perhaps have shown to be capable of, what is the source of that and how do we try to get to that source and, and what are the contributing factors? Yeah, and I wrote down mechanics versus versus mental game. You know, can't I'm I'm really big on and we talked about it with Carl, Carl Morris in his podcast. If you haven't listened to it, that was a really good one. Go back and listen to it. But I like my players to when they when they fail or they don't hit hit shots the way they want to, they hit bad shots. I want them to have an answer. Like and it's not so much a fix, but I want them to to place it in a bucket of was it a mechanical issue that we need to fix in the lab or was it a mental issue that we need to talk about and were you know were we not on time or did was our was our acceptance not high enough i want i don't want it to just be like i just hit a bad shot like i hate it when players just say i just played bad like that to me that's avoidance to me that's just trying to move on which is good sometimes but i would at least like for them to acknowledge what were the things that that happened and so for me, when we're not we're we're not performing to what we feel like our capabilities are, I, I would like to be able to figure out a way to address it, to diagnose what we think the problem is. And is it a mechanical issue that we need to fix in the lab? Or is it again more of a mental issue that we're not we, we haven't quite gotten to the bottom of yet? Yeah, this is a um on the surface seems like a uh, psychology versus confident competence or a confidence versus competence issue. 
But even as you're just starting to explore it a little bit, we see that there's way more layers to this than it seems, right? You know, everything from, well, what is my competency with this versus what is my competency with that? What was my core strategy? What was I bringing to it psychologically? Like there are a variety of factors, but as you're alluding to with the conversation, really important to try to boil down and pinpoint to, because if we can get to the source of most things, or at least the things at the source, that can give us a launch pad for be able to try to figure out how to get better in a way that's more efficient than, well, I, every time I don't play well, I just go to try to perfect this, or I just, uh, uh just appraise it as this only, which again, is a little bit too simplistic and reductionist for uh, high performance, which is far more layered and nuanced than that. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's what I just wrote down. Like, I think we need to start by like, what are the layers or even the levels of performance and stick to golf, look at some, or even look at a, like a sport, like, like bowling, right? Could I bowl a 300 and this is obviously higher level, but can I bowl a 300 by myself? Yes. I bowled a 300 by myself. Okay. Can I bowl it in my little local league on my lane that I'm always used to? Yes. I can bowl that too. Right. Can I do it on another lane that I've, I'm not used to? Can I do it in a bigger league? Can I do it in a bigger tournament? Can I do it on the national level? Can I do it in the, in the PBA US Open? Right. And my question for you, like, is, you know, it's this, tr we call it transfer to, it's this transfer of skill from one place to the next. And, um, you know, again, I don't, I don't have a specific agenda to, to dive into, but I think like when we talk about, say it's golf swing wise, can I, do I hit it good at my net at home by myself? Yeah, I hit it great. Do I hit it good on the range at my home course? Yes. Do I hit it good by myself on the golf course? Yes. Do I hit it good in the money game? Nope. Starts to break down. Okay. So what's the, is it the way we practice? Is it basically if I was blaming mechanics, do I, do I rate golf balls too much? Do I always give myself another one to kind of feel the false sense of confidence? You know, those would be some of the things I would look at, or I'm diving straight into the middle game and saying, okay, what happened? Well, acceptance got low because now I'm worried about what other people think about me and this and that, you know, there's just so much to this. Yeah. Well, from my perspective, and again, I'm, I'll admit my bias is obviously the psychological and neurological stuff. Um, I would be the first to admit that our psychology is not the only thing that contributes to performance. There are many factors. It just so happens that our brain and body cannot do anything without giving the order to our brain and body from the brain. And so there's an order of operations for us to be able to do anything that starts with our brain and our psychology first. So there, you know, if we're looking at, okay, well, what are all the contributing factors? I do think it's important for us to consider them in the order that they play out, because if you don't look at the front of that domino effect, everything else becomes contaminated down the line. For example, if what's keeping me, if what my experience is, I play really well in the driving range, but then I go to, to the course and I'm experiencing anxiety and I don't know what to do with that anxiety, or I just play through it without any type of intervention. Well, then my, uh, neurological state that I'm in is not conducive to physical skill execution. Therefore it's contaminating my target selections, contaminating my physical skills all the way to the equipment that I have is all being contaminated down the line. Yep. No different than, um, you know, our friend and colleague, Sean Foley, as I once heard him, you know, talking to a player and, and his point was, look, if you're set up, your grip and your stance are not facilitating your swing, everything in it is going to be compensating. You have to do something wrong to, for what you did wrong to get back to do something that you're trying to do. 
Right. And similar with our psychology, whereas I might be a super competent golfer, but if I'm playing through anxiety, my competence is being compromised by the level of uh, acceptance or lack thereof, so to speak. Right. So I do think that if we're asking these questions, all right, what is keeping you from performing closer to what you feel like you're capable of? It's looking at them in an order where there's a trickle down effect where you can more identify um, what the cause might be. Having said that, I work with a variety of different clients where they go, I'm underperforming and what, what a reversion for them. And the first thing I ask them is, well, tell me about the what your psychology you're bringing to it. And I'm hearing it and they're talking about it. And I'm going, that's probably not it. Now tell me about like, what are, so is it what, you know, and then it's it, looking at the, the very, the different things that can play out, but in a nuanced way without making big sweeping conclusions. So for example, I, my ball striking was terrible. Okay. All shots or certain shots out of the rough, whatever, or was it one club? Like, for example, was it all ball striking sport or was it that your driver put you in the rough quite a bit today and you were playing a lot of long irons into to greens via the rough, which is a much more difficult shot, right? So you're really having to kind of get a little bit granular with things if you're really starting to look at stuff more than just, I played, like you said, I just played like crap today. Okay, well, hold on a second. We got to pull back a couple layers on that. Otherwise, what's the, the correction to that? Don't play like crap. Like it's so vague and uninformative that it's very difficult to one, get to the source in an order that might identify it more effectively. And two, provide information for how you might improve your performance going forward. Right. It's, it's interesting because in our industry, in the, in the golf mechanics side, you'll hear announcers or you'll hear even coaches say like swing doesn't hold up under pressure, right? Like that swing, that, that, that motion doesn't hold up under pressure. Now, again, certain swings can have more of a timing based, based off the release styles and, and whatnot. And, and I guess where I'm still going with this is like, if, zero uh call it pressure if zero pressure is you hitting golf balls in your garage in a net at home and a hundred is a one-shot lead with three holes to play in a major do you believe that if your players can do it on the first round of a major and shoot 66 at the u.s open in the first round and they don't, they don't, it doesn't hold up. They've got a one shot lead with one to, with, with 18 holes to play in the final round and shoot 80. Is there ever a part of you that says it's a mechanical issue and, and we need to, we need to change the, change the mechanics up a little bit? Uh, there are certainly situations where that might be the case. Um, to me, it would where, know but where it'll hold, but where it'll hold that. This is, this is, this is what I think is so fascinating where they are competent enough to go shoot six or seven under and get out on the, get out to the lead in a first round of a U.S. Open. Like that's a 90, 90 out of out of a hundred as far as the most intense pressure situations. Not the most. The first round's mm -hmm. not anywhere near, and the and the course isn't as hard on the first round as it is the fourth round. But it's close, and it's more. That's more than a regular PGA Tour event. But they 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 are competent enough to go out, or skilled enough to go out and and bury it the first round. But then. Cause I know for me, like if I would have done that or when I, when I shot a million in the final round where I had a chance to win, I always blame my golf swing. And obviously we know it wasn't always the case, but you on your side of the coin, do you ever say like mentally they were right where they needed to be, but like golf swing just doesn't hold up under the most intense pressure situations. Certainly possible. I think there's a, and this is not my opinion. This is 
research shows us with any physical skill acquisition that the lower end you are on the skill level, meaning you're not as good, is that your skill can break down um, despite pressure or in spite of pressure. Meaning, you know, so if you're an 18 handicap, there are times when you can time it up great, perhaps even under pressure, because maybe those nerves are exciting and it's uh, you're having a really good time and so on and so forth. And you're actually timing it better because you are nervous. Also times when those nerves tip a little bit more toward anxiety and now your timing can be sideways all the way to, well, I have a certain motion that I have for my skill level. And it just so happened that I got five shots that are really not conducive to an over top move. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think there's something to be said about assessing, like how uh, does a, let's say how you deliver the club to a ball match the types of challenges that you're going to have as a tournament goes on in terms of how much energy it takes, how consistent the delivery is. Does it uh, transfer to a variety of different lies? It is, I think as you get closer to the high end of the learning curve and really, really skilled people, skills falling apart from a physical dynamic is usually a, a fatigue issue, not yeah. a skill level issue yeah. where I'm running out of gas. You know, if you watch mechanics, for example, there's a bunch of studies that watch uh, major league baseball pitchers. And there's a reason pitchers don't go for much longer than six innings anymore, even if you're probably on route for a no hitter. And that's because you can objectively watch their mechanics fall apart as the game goes on because they're throwing as fast as they can or pretty damn close to repeatedly every, and now with a pitch clock, there's less time to be able to rest in between pitches. And you see a DK in technique, not because they're losing their skill pitch to pitch necessarily, but, but they're just fatigued. Yeah. Right. So I worked with a variety of pitchers who told me I came out for the seventh inning and I just started getting shelled. Well, the reason is because your mechanics are falling apart and you're now you're throwing the ball three to four miles an hour slower when someone has been timing you up for the last couple of innings, nothing to do necessarily with confidence, but the fact that fatigue has now impacted your, um, your physical ability to execute. Everything. No, right. And the bottom line is that playing a golf tournament, particularly a pro golf tournament is exhausting. Like I know they're walking and they're not running. And we see that as like, Oh, it's really not that big a deal. Try walking four days of golf. And it's actually probably closer to five or six if you're playing practice rounds as well. So, and you're probably working out and stretching. And then of course you're trying to figure out how to sleep when you're in the contention with the major, which is a challenge in and of itself. So there are certainly conditions where our technical ability can deteriorate that has little to do with confidence and more to do with other external or factors than it is necessarily just a confidence issue. So again, I don't want to paint with such a broad brush Right. If technical skills fall apart, it is a hundred percent a psychological issue because that may or may not be the case. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I'm with you on the better, the player, the first thing, like I'm going to ask if, if we're breaking down on, and especially at a major where, you know, you, if, for those of you, if you've never played a, a, a major venue golf course, when it's been rough, it's been, 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 um, grown up. And I mean, it is a grind. You hit it in the rough and it takes a lot of energy to get that golf ball out of there. And you do that over four, six, four to six days. It's, it is a, a major grind. So I'm completely with you on, you know, these, these players at this level, if, if they're breaking down later on in the rounds, their mechanics could be breaking down because they're fatigued. They're, they aren't in as good enough shape as they need to be to carry on that day one, yeah. to day two, I, to day four. I might also add another if so scenario, which is let's say, for example, during uh, the start of a tournament, I just so happen to have a certain number of shots in a row 
where it required me to deliver the club a little bit differently, perhaps a little bit more steeply or to hit a shot shape that I don't particularly like. And if I hit a couple of those, those players are oftentimes skilled enough that if they do that a couple of times, like their brain can easily make that a repeatable motion. And then if that compounds over a couple of days, you could might see a different skill quite like a different swing quote unquote by the time they get to the last day now usually they're going to have a range session in between or they're going to get a look at with a coach so i'm not saying that it's super common but it is certainly a possibility in which case then again you have a technical breakdown that may not be confidence related but more i'm my i was adjusting my physical motion based on the demands of the tournament that i was given or the shots that i had that then just continued because it went unchecked. How do you handle your players when they say like golf course didn't set up very well to them? I think there's something to be said about the type of um, shots you like to play or that are more favorable for you and what golf courses demand those shots more than others. Um, Also different conditions. If you're someone who hits the ball really, really high, When you get into windy conditions, that is going to be more difficult than it is for somebody who has a lower trajectory and perhaps vice versa or soft conditions versus other conditions. And certain golf course, like if you go to a local municipal golf course, you are going to have way more dog leg rights than you do dog leg lefts because they're built for players who slice because they're trying to get as many rounds on it as possible, not necessarily figure out who the best golfer is. Right. So there are certainly um, different courses that might fit your skill level more. The challenge for any golfer is, okay, well, if this one's a better fit than others, how do I figure out how to make my game fit as best as I can in this course where I can try to get the most out of it, right? right? And that might mean I have to hit different shots. It also might mean I need to take different lines. Like there are a variety of different ways to navigate that. Um, And how that goes in terms of our question today, which is how do you know what's keeping you from performing well? Like oftentimes when the terrain changes, our ability to adapt to that terrain rather than just try to plow right through it might be a determining factor about how you form and that also goes to your question about well i can stripe it in my garage into a net which is one terrain not is it just a psychologically low stakes setting but it's an even stance even lie nobody's watching and it requires and i'm maybe just hitting the same shot over and over again versus i go to a golf course where i'm really not getting a flat stance or lie unless i'm on the tee box and it's requiring me to play in front of other people. And that's not just like I'm confident enough to, but it's just another variable that I haven't had to account for before. That can also lead to to changes in how physical uh, skills are applied. Sure. And you, you hear a lot of times like, I'm just super comfortable with this golf course. I'm just super comfortable with sure. this, this, this event versus well, I was uncomfortable we, all day. We perform as a general rule of thumb. Most people perform more more freely in more comfortable conditions and so again you're so then again if we're getting down to well what is it that's keeping someone from performing well here instead of over here even though they're similar well if the level of comfort is different and i have a high reliance on comfort in order to perform freely that's certainly a contributing factor as well it might not be that i don't think i'm capable it just means i don't know what to do with my discomfort and then i'm multitasking with how do i feel comfortable in a place that i'm uncomfortable in which then again disrupts physical skills because I'm multitasking and multitasking slows the the communication between my brain and my physical skills, which can, maybe it's not the swing that broke down, but what caused it to break down is something different than anxiety. It's more just distraction. And those are, again, we're starting to get at a very granular level what's going on here. 
Well, and to me, like that would be my, what you, how you just described that as my opinion on this issue right here. Like, I feel like I've got a lot of players that say, I just, I, I'm not comfortable. I, I just, it, it, it's just not comfortable. And I always remember like I was growing up, I was so comfortable on my home golf course and I would shoot so many good scores on my home golf course and then go to another course that was just as easy and wouldn't play as well. Like I'd shoot sub, sub 68, 67 on my home golf course and then shoot 76 and, and all the guys that, that I grew up playing against on my home golf course like how the heck what where's this at and I'm like I don't it, it feels so much different and I was I was trying to search for that same comfort level and so then then distractions set in and then it was like well why am I just not good enough or or you know all the all the thoughts just came came popping in and so let's let's start there like how do we obviously we have to be we have to be okay performing when we're not comfortable like that's got to be number one i mean because we're just not going to guarantee we're comfortable all the time and i think going back to the bowler analogy like you know playing well or or bowling well and and scoring a 300 at home by yourself when you're comfortable versus going out and playing the first league match like it's going to feel completely different and there's going to be tons of distractions and your, your mind's going to be all over the place and we've still got to simplify it and stay on time and stay on target and accept it all and let it rip because guaranteed when you're comfortable and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, your acceptance levels are super high when you're, when you are in that, that state. Surprise, surprise, Chase. Comfort is a lot easier to accept than discomfort. <laughs> correct. Right. <laughs> so I, I mean, I just think, I think that it's this idea of, again, how do we transfer our skills from one place to the next? How do we transfer our quote unquote comfort level from one place to the next? And sometimes we can't. And then can we perform when we're uncomfortable? And I think that literally boils this just wraps a pretty little bow on performance and why we don't perform as well in those higher staked environments. Well, you hit the psychological nail on the head, which is when stakes get higher, again, everything else becomes amplified. So essentially when the stakes get highest, our risk aversion or whatever threshold we have for that is now exposed. And anytime you hit a golf ball, you are risking the potential of making a mistake, hitting a poor shot, being judged by others and so on and so forth. So again, I want to go back to the first domino. What is the psychology that you brought to this? And then you can start to assess, okay, well, is it an issue of familiarity or is it an issue of comfort? Is it an issue of, well, I have a golf swing where if I'm timing it well, it really does work out. But if I'm not, then it might be much more of a technical issue where when I get uncomfortable, so not only do I need to address my reliance on comfort, but also do I have a golf swing that I can be uncomfortable executing technically, right? So the bottom line is how, when you look at um, professional players, again, there are many different ways that you can deliver the golf club to the ball. But one of the commonalities between any really highly skilled golfer, if we're even just talking ball striking and not even short game and putting, is that they are delivering the club in a way where the margin for error is pretty big relative to less skilled players where the margin for error is really, really small. Right. Right. And so if I do have technique that has a smaller margin for error, that might be something that does keep me from performing well. I'll personally say this, like my golf swing, the margin for error relative to your golf swing in order to hit a good golf shot is pretty low. Now, if you give me enough time on the range to kind of get warmed up and also find a little bit of timing 
and you give me a couple of days of playing golf in a row, you're going to see a spike in import in performance because my ability to time that margin for error is going to be better. If you we go a week between playing, it's going to be a lot less because, again, I'm going to have to reestablish that timing based on the way that I deliver the golf club to the ball currently. So for me, playing better, the jump is you have to get better at the skill that actually give, delivers the club to uh, the ball in a way where your margin for error allows for what it is that you're trying to do under pressure or not. So it's a little bit of the opposite of what many of my clients have, which is they are crazy skilled at delivering the golf club to the ball, but the psychological margin for error they give themselves is too small to be able to do that. Right. So again, if we just, so so real quick on that. So then on the range, they're machines, but then when they get on the golf course, now they're not in the right state to, to apply their skills, their timing gets a little bit or timing and, and, um, how they control their speeds gets a little bit harder to control because whether it's anxiety, whether it's wh- wherever their mindset is. That's right. So again, if if whatever my current skill level is, how much access I have to it, and another way of saying how freely I operate that starts with the psychological space I be I have to be able to do that because that's going to then create a neurological and physiological cascade that's going to make it either easier or harder to create that type of uh, skill. Now, I have had professional players tell me I'm playing the most confident golf that I ever had in my life. And what I've realized from that is in the off season, I got to make some serious changes to my skills in either the, my strategy around courses, the way I deliver the golf club to ball, particularly with like short game and how they do it, where I'm playing so confidently right now, but what's really letting me down is I cannot hit a certain type of shot that is not, that it would unlock another level. That is often the case for really skilled golfers, provided they take care of that, psychological variable of I'm playing freely enough to do so. And that's really difficult. But again, if we just assume it's the swing that breaks down or the person that breaks down without asking more questions about what it might be, um, you know, I think that's a little bit too simplistic of an argument versus hold on a second, let's get into this at a little bit more of an in-depth level to really pinpoint what might be going on more than others. Right. And in your situation where you had described before, like, you going from one course to another, the ease at which you could score on the course wasn't the issue. It's unfamiliar to you. And yep. that it being unfamiliar, and my guess is the expectation that you brought to it, which is, well, this course is easier than the one I normally play. Therefore, I should shoot even more under par, right? So already you have set yourself up to be in a psychological space where the margin for error is so small that that then would infect your physical ability, particularly as things might not play out the way that you expected. Versus you going, oh, my golf swing is falling apart, right? Whereas for me, when I go play, if you look at the pattern of my rounds of golf, I typically play the front nine much better than the back because I'm coming right off of the range where my timing is better. But then as you get into the grind of a round and things slow down, my ability to be able to time that just based on repetition starts to fade away. And then now I'm stuck with, well, what does the bare bones of my physical skills do, which has wider dispersion than it did on the front nine, even though I might be playing as freely, in which case then I have to adjust what are the targets that I'm playing? What kind of clubs am I hitting? What perhaps what type of shot selection am I playing along the back nine relative that might be different than the front nine? Yeah. All because you don't, again, the time between shots has gotten so long that it's hard for you to find that rhythm, that timing again. And and it goes back to the importance that we talked about a little bit in the last episode of like, you or anybody really practice and work in the golf ball a lot. So that way when it starts to get off, 
later in the round, you have something to fall back on. You can add wherever it's going. You can add more of this or add more of that. So for me, so just to that point for me, like many other golfers, just hitting balls, trying to find that timing is both helping and hurting. It's helping because then I go to practice and go, man, I hit a bunch of really good shots. But if I look at the pattern, it's like, no, the first ones were really crappy. Then you hit some good ones with some wild ones in there. And then as you get tired, it starts to deteriorate pretty quickly, right? So me just beating balls, trying to create the perfect contact is inefficient practice for me because it's still imprinting the reliance upon timing, not something where I'm actually executing a skill where the margin for error isn't just timing. So you might hear this in like the larger terms in the teaching community. Is this a timing-based swing or a rotation-based swing? Which those might not be the exact terms you're looking for, but essentially like, am I having to throw the golf club at the ball or is it something that is delivered via uh, my body and my weight transfer and these types of things where the likelihood of the club being de-lofted and the right attack angle and a low point past the ball, again, if we're just talking kind of general terms of ball striking, When you're better at that, that's always helpful. And, and it's less likely that it's a mechanical issue unless, but you won't know that unless you're playing freely enough to find out. So yeah, the whole idea of how do we, okay. So how do we get even taking you for an example? So you have a, a golf swing that is relying a little bit more on, on um, timing of the release right at impact and it's not as as um, reliable as call it more of a pivot based motion or you know there's timing in every golf swing but yours is yours has a higher let's say rate of closure than than somebody else that has a lower one that hits it hits it more consistent so for you to train this the proper way it would still be if you have an hour on the range it would still be more time between shots to your you're breaking up the your ability to time this thing out it's, it's a variety of things. One, it's getting better at the skills or motions that yeah. take, take that minimize timing and increase, we might say pivot. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Again, just painting with a broad brush here. All the stuff right. that, yeah, that we've all been the stuff about. that we talk about, right? Anyway, yeah. Then also practicing in a way where I'm not relying on timing and I have to be able to execute the skill in order to do it right, which means there's going to be a high failure rate at first as I learn to be able to swing the golf club in closer to the amount of time between shots that you would have during a round of golf, right? So the danger with kind of raking and hitting, unless you're just hitting golf balls because you enjoy hitting golf balls and you don't care how it impacts your skill level. If you're practicing, yeah, yeah, if you're, if you are practicing to improve your competency, how you practice is showing your brain. This is what you do when you do this and this is how you go. So if I'm going, well, I hit a golf ball every 10 seconds your brain is going, well, this is how I swing the club when I hit a golf ball every 10 seconds. But if you go to the golf course and there's 10 minutes between shots, it now doesn't have that same level of connectivity, right? So again, it's, it's a timing thing that if you give me 30 golf balls, like I'll get, I'll get better at that timing. The downside is, is that I become more reliant on that timing and less reliance upon how do I deliver a golf club in a way that can help me to strike it better, right? Which is why many people who practice inefficiently Oftentimes it's it's hit or miss. It's like on the days that I'm timing it up great, I play great. On the days that I'm not, and it's this massive variance between the two. And it can be surprising oftentimes how these two types of things go. Whereas you and I would look at that and go, well, with the way that you're delivering the golf club to the ball, the outlier is your great day. 
the another outlier is the worst case but the bottom line is the variance here like the variance of your golf shots for in terms of how your round can go can vary greatly that again might be you do indeed have a golf swing that breaks down over time based on the skill that you have been training or not trained in that way and it might not be a confidence issue again so i don't want to assume it's a confidence issue until we have inquired further about well what are all the contributing factors from your psychology to your physical fitness, your flexibility, your technical skill level, the way you practice, how often you practice, the type of practice you bring in, how often you actually play rounds, what kind of psychological state do you bring to your rounds? Like there's so many pieces to this, which is why it's so difficult to perform well in so many ways, because there are so many things that you have to be able to address more than just I'm good at something. Although that helps, it's not the end all be all. So I was a player for a while and, and we talked about it a little earlier about being comfortable. I was a player that, you know, I, I was seeking comfort and I, I had a, I worked with a couple of mini tour players that they needed to feel they, their golf swing had to feel a certain way for them to perform well. And if they were uncomfortable, they were in big trouble. And I, I think too, like the fact that, you know, growing up, people would always say like, does your, does your does your game travel? Can you go play other golf courses and then go take it to tournaments and all that stuff? And I think my struggle with the new golf courses was I wasn't comfortable with the course and I wasn't, I wasn't really sure where the trouble was. I wasn't really sure what was out there. We're like home golf course. We're really sure we can play it with our eyes closed. And so I think like making sure going back to our three kind of pillars, like being, making sure we're precise with what our intention is with game plan or being on target, as you say, making sure we're clear with the objective at home. It's so much easier to just be clear and let it fly on the new courses. It's a lot harder to just kind of let go or be clear enough, but then let go and trust that that was, that was the objective. Um, It can be. So just as you're pulling that thread, remember our brain is designed to see unfamiliarity or just something novel, but unknown. So uncertain. mm -hmm. Uh, It's this weird interplay between our brain where it craves, it likes novelty but also when things are unfamiliar and unpredictable, our first brain's reaction is, uh-oh, is this dangerous? Hence, yep. there's the, right? right. So again, yep. think back 30,000, 40,000 years ago, when you stepped out of the cave, there's a lot of unknown there. And if you just went flying through it without stopping to go, hold on a second, should I look before I leave? Yep. You would die. So we should have our ancestors to thank for the fact that they <laughs> didn't just go dive into that unfamiliarity, yep. because if they yep. did, we wouldn't be here. But We also have them to blame for the fact that oftentimes when we see things as unfamiliar and we're not asking ourselves, hold on a second, this is unfamiliar. Is it just unfamiliar or is it actually dangerous that our brain will tip toward, "Uh oh, this is dangerous. You better not screw this up. Right. So there's a component to that, too. New situations always just kind of they just feel different. They're just they're they're, they're, they're different. They're more stressful to us because we don't necessarily know we don't necessarily have a very predictive pattern to be able to work through. Right. So if you played your home course a thousand times before, it's more comfortable because you have played it out a bunch of times and your brain has a map for how to navigate it. Right. And it knows this is danger. This is not. And again, these are broad terms based on how our brain thinks. Right. And when you go to a new place, you don't necessarily have that map and you're trying to put it together based on what you know from other, uh, similar experiences but there's no perfect overlap between those two hence the unfamiliarity and then our brain is designed to go "Uh oh well if i don't know what that is i'm gonna assume it's dangerous unless we are paying attention to the fact that like okay hold on a second i'm filling in a blank 
of uncertainty. And again, uncertainty is not a bad thing. It just means I don't know, but I'm filling it in with a, uh oh, this must not be good. Or the fact that I'm feeling uncomfortable about it must be a bad thing. In which right. case then now we've created a snowball effect that then does indeed down the line of dominoes impact how your physical skills are executed. And it can certainly contaminate them in a way where you would go, their golf swing broke down and you would go, well, hold on a second. What caused it to right. break down? Was it the mechanics or was it the psychology they brought to it? And both can be the answer. We would really want to know more and investigate in order to find out. So with the players that are um, chasing the comfort comfortability of, obviously we've addressed the golf course now, um, but they're chasing the, 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 the perfect feels of a golf swing, or they're chasing just that comfortable feeling that, that, that free feeling they get at home. Um, how do you, how do you work through those, those issues when they take it to the golf course or they take it to the tournament and they just can't, they can't quite recreate them. Sure. Um, and you might not be able to, that's the thing, like the, the feeling one way in one setting and feeling uh, the same way in a very different setting with different stakes is a lot to ask your brain and your nervous system to do. So I think one thing people could consider is like actually asking question, do I really need to be comfortable to perform well and feel exactly what I want to feel to be able to do that? And you might ask yourself, have there been times in my past where I've been uncomfortable, been uncertain, or my swing didn't feel exactly how I wanted it to and I was still able to perform well? Mm -hmm. Chances are there's a yes somewhere at some degree. And then you go, okay, well, what did I do there that allowed me to still perform well, even though I wasn't totally comfortable, my swing didn't feel great, et cetera which can give you a little bit of a roadmap. And then also kind of this idea of like, maybe I let go of the idea that I need to be comfortable and that I need to feel a certain thing. And instead, here are a couple of things that I can focus on when I'm uncomfortable and allow for that feeling instead of trying to jump out of it, which tends to make us less comfortable. Um, and there's, of course, there's things to do psychologically, which is, first of all, if I up my level of acceptance for both my internal and external environments, that can help. If I can be present in my performance, that certainly helps. So in, in unfamiliar situations, our brain tends to forecast, uh oh, what is this? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? And if we can reel back and be grounded, again, these are elements of stable confidence. We are clearing as much runway for our physical skills and our decision making as we can. Then you might also go, okay, well, if I'm not feeling exactly what I want in my golf swing, what are some things that I can key in on that will give me the best chance to execute as well as I can? So that might be a larger motion than necessarily a really fine grained motion. So that'd be more like a, a core body move than necessarily an arm or a wrist motion. It might also be, I shift my focus from what my swing feels like to a target, right? So it's worth people exploring. There's no exact formula necessarily for everybody, but my guess is there's some roadmap somewhere where you've been super uncomfortable, didn't feel what you wanted and quote unquote, your internal experience had stacked the odds against you and you were able to work with it and kind of exploring what that might be like can, can lend it to that. And then also again, letting go of the idea or challenging the idea that you need to be comfortable to perform well can be really helpful too, because then when you are uncomfortable, it's not an indicator that you're in trouble. It's an indicator that you're just doing something challenging and an opportunity for you to execute your skills rather than a, oh, I'm uncomfortable. This is a sign that things are not going to go well for me. So essentially discomfort is just part of the experience, not a precursor to how things are going to shake out. And, and I think, I think that's so important. I think that understanding that we're, you know, you get on the first tee of a tournament and there's a hundred people watching you and, and you're, it's going to be really hard to just 
you know, get your heartbeat, calm your, calm your heart, you know, get the, get the heart rate to, to slow down and to control your breathing and like all that stuff just becomes more difficult. And the other thing that I think so important is like when we, when we assess how we play at home, when it's quote unquote easier, I would say that you're, you know, you're just much less distracted. Like the distractions yeah. are so you're, you're much clearer in what you're trying to do on just, even if it's almost subconscious, cause you played the golf course so much, like, you know, on hole three, you're going to hit a driver at the left edge of the fairway, or, you know, on hole four, par three, you're going to draw it off the right edge almost every time. I think that the, I think realizing how much more distracted you are when the stakes go up, when you go to those tougher events, I think is, is, is very important for you to, for, for players at home and my players, especially to, to understand. And like, trying to get as clear with the intention as you are at home and be as accepting as you are at home, I think is, is step one in starting to get more quote unquote consistent with the performance at home versus the performance on the road. Yeah. We're kind of taking that and, and boiling it down to its bare bones. Like, do I have permission to perform freely in settings that are uncomfortable, are new, have higher stakes and those things? And again, that's not a, just a light switch type of thing. It's doing a, maybe perhaps a little bit of work. And then it's also, there's probably some work to do with technical skills. I don't know any golfer in the world, regardless of how skilled they are, who wants to get better, who doesn't need to practice really efficiently yep. and isn't also perhaps making some changes at times for a variety of different reasons. Um, and so if we're just taking the larger question we started with today, which is like, what causes people to underperform in one setting versus their performance in another, it's, it's a mixed bag and explore, exploring it is what helps us kind of narrow it down. And it's oftentimes a variety of things. So let's say it is a comfort thing. Well, okay. Can I start to practice in ways that create more discomfort for me kind of gradually so that I can learn to sit with that discomfort? That way, as I gradually increase my threshold for discomfort, now when I go to a place that is really uncomfortable for me, it's not such a, a giant leap from going from garage to back nine of a major, right? Yeah. So there are a variety of different ways you can practice. There's a ton of inner work you can do and also working to build a golf swing that is a little bit more conducive to more conditions, right? Like if you had a golf swing that you could only hit shots off of a flat stance and a flat line and exposed golf ball, you're going to there's only so many conditions with which you're going to be able to perform. And so yes, technique and mechanics definitely matter. Um, especially I would say, um, not just ball striking, but like around the greens for sure. Yeah, uh, it matters a lot. So, um, yeah, like going back to your, if you only can slice it, if you can only hook it, if you can only do this or only do that, obviously it makes it tough. And, and I would say, Unless you do to, one of those really, 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 really well. well. But but even yeah. then, then there's going to be some golf courses that there's going to be some holes that you're going to have a really tough time, right? Um, but then the other thing I would say is, and, and you touched on it, is just just make practice harder. I think we as golfers are always looking for comfort. Like, like we've talked about, we're always looking for um, – Get the guarantee or we're always looking for the the easiest quick, way out at quick, times the quick easy fix and again nothing yeah. wrong with a quick and easy fix uh in the right time and situation but needless to say that a lot of the things that we are after in terms of our progress and closing the gap between where we know we can perform and where we might actually be performing right now all that progress is usually on the other side of the work that we're trying to avoid yeah, no, that's exactly right. And then I would say, again, make your practice harder. I would say um, 
take time on the range. Don't don't rapid fire and, and have specific goals when we're out there out there trying to work. Um, and then the last thing, and I'm going to keep saying this is I I've really I really think that it's important to after a round where you struggled, don't just say I suck, I'm never going to play again, or I'm I'm just destined to play bad the rest of my life. Like write down what you think was the problem. Was it, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast enough, you know, the importance that we're putting into the mental, mental stuff. And like, were we on time? Were we, how was our acceptance levels? Was our game plan precise enough? Was it any of those three things? If it wasn't okay, then as, as docs talked about too, was it a fatigue issue? Did we run out of gas? Did we run out of steam? Did our golf swing break down because we got tired? Did we eat well enough? Like this, this obviously it's never just a mechanics versus a mental we can't just put it in one bucket or the other there's it's way more nuanced than that but i think putting something in some bucket i think is a start to getting better i think if you just say oh i just played bad today like that's the part that drives me crazy like oh just golf got the best of me sometimes it does but like for the most part we can put a bit somewhere it's a little bit vague and a little bit subjective which makes it harder to glean information you know, if, if I was even going to say what my job typically looks like post around with my clients is getting really curious about their performance, but in a really objective way, not just when they play poorly, but also when they play well, yep. you know, they know they get a ton of the 20 questions from Raymond and it's all really, no, don't tell me if this is good or bad. Tell me about it in a more objective way. So, yep. oh, I, I hit it really poorly. Hold on. Not I hit it poorly, but what was, was it a lot to the right often? To left, was it a two-way miss? Was it a contact issue, right? So now you're getting down again to the nitty gritty where now you have some information about uh, how do I get better? This is very difficult to get better from bad golf by just trying to produce good golf without a a, a means yeah, by which to be able to focus on and do that. And and you've taught me a lot to like deal with facts, facts. just like you said, Objective. deal with yeah. facts. What what actually happened versus what, how we feel or what we think or, 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 Again, I, I hate the one I suck. I'm terrible. I'm never, I'm just, I'm just a horrible, we, we go into the fixed mindset. I'm just a horrible golfer. Well, that's a little, yeah, that's a little bit of a character assassination than it is an objective observation yeah. of your performance, right? And I don't know. So the danger again with our fixed mindset is if you are or you're not a good golfer, what is the correction for that? Or how do you get better from that? So again, hence why there's such a lot of anxiety and a difficulty getting better in a fixed mindset it's because it's just, Oh, I played bad. Therefore I am bad to get better. I have to just be better. Um, that's a big jump. There's not a lot of specific information, not a lot of, no. not a lot of gold out of that sifter right there. It's just a lot of, this was bad. How do I make it good with not a lot of, uh, methodology in between. And then the last thing I would say is if you're avoiding playing with certain groups or you're avoiding playing in certain tournaments because you don't feel like you're good enough or you're afraid to afraid to fail, man, go test it, go, go out there and do it. And then, be objective with the results afterwards. And, and, uh, you know, as, as we've learned from Raymond, we, we learn a lot through failures and you'll learn a lot through it and you'll probably be better at better for it going forward than just avoiding at all costs and never putting yourself out there. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about getting outside of our, if we want to improve or increase the threshold of our ability to handle discomfort, we need to go get into some, I wouldn't necessarily say that if you're, it, you know, might ask like, where's the threshold for what is too much right now? Yeah. And then right. go challenge. If it, it might be as simple as I usually avoid playing with these players because I, they, I feel like they're so much better than me. I don't want to embarrass myself. Okay. Well, maybe you play nine holes with them and then you yeah. go, okay, instead of me trying to keep up with them or try to 
compare myself to them. What if I just played my game in the way that I know how, see how well I can play and see what that experience is like. You might found out it's actually not as discomforting as you thought. And also, oh, I actually operated better than I usually do because I wasn't so consumed with their opinions and so on and so forth. So there are ways that which we can kind of test ourselves. And as you said, difficult for us to get better if we are not pushing our thresholds a little bit, but we don't push our thresholds by trying to avoid them. So it's not 100% a mechanical issue. It's not 100% a mental issue. Um, if you can consistently do it time and time again, but then struggle in the, in the, the highest of, 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 of stakes, the highest of pressure, then really make sure that you're checking all the boxes mentally and that your acceptance levels and and you're staying on time and game plan and all that stuff. Let's also not discount as we're finishing up here. Let's also not discount the importance of course, strategy and equipment, right? If you're playing clubs that are not a great fit for you and don't interact with the turf in a way that fits for your delivery and a, you know, a dime store golf ball or a range ball, let's also, those are contributing factors as well. And then if you're also a, you know, a 15 handicap and you're firing at every flag and trying to cut every fairway, just based, even if you're playing super freely, your dispersion is wide enough that you're going to bring in a lot of larger numbers, right? So unless you're willing to take that risk and you're aware of it, um, but that might not be your best means of scoring. So again, we don't want to boil it down to, it's just confidence and competence in terms of technical skill. It's also strategy, it's equipment, it's decision-making, it's a variety of factors that there's a reason why the golf industry has a, a tour show or a PGA show that has so many different things. And it's because there are a lot of things that go into performance and it's not just one thing. The, uh, the cool and, and, uh, and, uh, extravagant, extravagant golf carts or the, uh, there were some, uh, motorcycle carts that were out there and like, uh, I'm here for that. <laughs> my guy, I'm here. I'm here for that. That was that golf cart that is a uh, motorcycle, and I'm also trying to figure out how to take the governor off that thing. I can promise <laughs> you that. There was a lot, and there was a lot of fun, and I could see a, a few people after a few cold beers not driving that thing as as uh, safely as they probably should be. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I uh, I love these types of chats because I think that there's um, there's just a lot to learn from both sides of the both sides of the aisle, and there's there's never just a one size fits all. Um, and I think that, I think if we really boil it down and ask everybody, everybody thinks that they've underperformed with how good that they, that, you know, with their, their performance and how good they think they could play all the time. And, uh, I just, I think it's, I think it's a fascinating conversation. And I, as always, I, I appreciate sitting down and uh, grinding out some of this stuff with you. Cause it's, it's a lot of fun. Let's get into the weeds. That's, that's so, right. Beneath, yeah. beneath the surface, let's, let's get so, beneath the surface where the roots are. Um, that's right. For those listening, uh, please send us your questions. Uh, make sure you send us some comments and some feedback so that we can continue to tailor this show to what you're looking for. We had a really nice Q and a session last time. We will have some guests coming up, but as always, please give us some feedback on the show. Chase, any final thoughts before we let the people get going? Thanks again for uh, tuning in. Give us any any ideas on subject matter you guys want us to talk or any guests that you'd like for us to kind of get on that have talked about some of the same stuff. We've got some some uh, guests that are that are in the pipeline that are coming. Um, and as always, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for um, for tagging along with us. And if um, we just hope that we've we've helped you hit the ball a little bit better and think your way around the golf course better and improve your scores for, uh, for 2024. That's the goal. So thanks. Thanks as always. And, uh, doc, take us home. 
Yeah, uh, you can catch me at btsmindset.com and on the Twitter machine at bts underscore mindset. Sometimes you chase where sure. can they I catch where sure can if, they catch the show? You weren't sure, sure if I was going to get those right. Yeah, where can they at, at gbts podcast on Instagram at Chase Cooper Golf on Instagram? And yeah, any questions that you have for Raymond that you fire over on Instagram, I always send to him. So don't if you got anything on on there, let us know. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep doing it. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And, uh, Doc, thanks. We'll see you. See you next time. We will see you next time. Thanks, guys.